Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This Book Changed My Life. I'm Natalie Ford. Thank you so much for joining us on This Book Changed My Life. I talked to some of my BHS colleagues and coworkers about a book that had a big impact on them. Um, We have a conversation and we cover a lot of territory. We usually talk about their BHS history and then we talk about what they read as a kid and a young adult and what school was like for them. And then finally we talk about a book that changed their life. Today on the podcast, we have Katie Levinson. Katie Levinson is our school social worker And Katie and I are both moms of smaller children. So she had a baby two years ago, and then I had a baby about a year ago. And then her daughter is a little bit older than my daughter. Um, And then I have a son who's 12, but we're both in the thick of the little kid stages. So we're both full-time working moms. And for me, it's really nice to have people on staff who... I can just kind of look at, or she can kind of look at me and say, are you okay? (laughs) And there, and there is this mutual understanding of like, you're being asked to do way too much on a daily basis. So it's okay if you're not okay. We both understand what it feels like to sit in the parking lot in the morning. And before you walk into work, I had to do this um, a couple times this past year. I'd sit in the parking lot and before I would go to work, I would like take my hands and like put them into my face like I, like I was kneading, um, like I was kneading bread dough and I would go, I would move my fingers on this and I go, oh, just to make sure that, um, my face didn't look like I hadn't slept for like four hours the night before, but that like, I, (laughs) that's exactly what had happened. Um, and it's just nice to have another person in the building who is going through the exact same thing. And so as we will talk about, um, of course, this phase of motherhood is amazing in so many ways. Um, our kids are little, so they're always in this state of wonder or curiosity. Um, they want to be around us. They want to snuggle with us, and all that's awesome. But this phase is also brutal, brutal. So many of you know what I'm talking about, whether you're in it now or um, you can remember you can remember this time from when your kids were little. It is cruel and tender. So it's just nice to have another person in the building who I can just kind of walk up to and say, okay, can I just have a moment right now to tell you? (laughs) And she is all ears. So Levinson is another one of these people like Saris, where I feel like I've known her longer than I have. But I think that's because like Saris and so many other people on our staff, when I interact with Levinson, I'm getting... I'm getting the real her. I'm not getting a, oh, fine, thanks, as a reply. She is honest and transparent, and all of that makes her an awesome social worker and a great guest for the podcast. So, Katie Levinson, here we go. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Katie Levinson. I have been so excited, so excited. I've, I've loved listening, um, and I feel like every episode gets more personal and more, um, I don't know, I'm just learning so much about the people that I work with, and something that I sort of came to today that 
really stood out to me that you're doing, you're doing this, Natalie, this is a big deal and you're facilitating all of this, is I feel like you're sort of bringing to light the fact that um, our building, the staff in our building has been very carefully cultivated to be here. Like the way that people's strengths and ideologies and philosophies all dovetail is in incredibly unique I think and really beautiful like it kind of explains why it feels so good to work at the high school in Berkeley I think that's like such a great observation and it's like something I've been trying to put words to when I like debrief with my mom or my husband about doing this podcast where I'm just like these people I don't know it's like it's like we're I don't want to say like we're all meant to be in this building but mm-hmm. it is really cool I talked to Lenny today who's like Berkeley through and through And I had that same feeling where I was like, I don't know what brought me to this place, but I am so happy that I work here. So happy. And so honored to be included in this staff. Yeah, Um, I totally agree. I feel like we've all earned our places here, but also, um, you know, not everybody sticks around for whatever reason. And the fact that, like, we all feel compelled to stay I think speaks a lot to um, to the building as a whole and to the leadership that every one of us kind of brings to the table. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I do, I have thought that before, and I've also thought, like, and I've said this on the podcast before, I've thought, like, it does feel like, and the way you said it is way more graceful, it feels like joining a sorority, like, I just, <laughs> like, or a fraternity where, like you said, not everybody sticks around. Like, some people are kind of like, yeah, this really wasn't for me, and that's fine right the people who are here are definitely something special i agree um okay so i'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions i'm gonna ask you about uh your bhs history which i really don't know i said the same thing to saris i was like i know you so well and yet i don't know this about you and then i'm gonna talk to you about what books you read growing up and then you're gonna tell us about the book that changed your life so tell me about your bhs history yeah um so i was actually on maternity leave with my daughter when the social work position at the high school became available. Um, Thank you to Sharon Burke, who flagged me down and said, you got to apply for this. Um, And I happened, I was living in Berkeley in the time. I had just bought a house in Berkeley. We had had our kid. Um, My interview was the first time I left her. She was like four or five weeks old. And I was gone for like 47 minutes and I was sitting in the interview and you know after you have a baby you're like hormonal and sweaty (laughs) in places you never realized you could sweat and you like leak things all the time and so I'm sitting here in this interview in front of a panel of however many people were there including a couple of parents um, which I didn't expect and I'm sure I looked a mess um, and I didn't think that I did very well at the interview uh, but I was hopeful because I was like, I don't want I was working in Wayne Westland at the time, which was an amazing place to start my career. And I credit them and my my supervisors there with so much of my like early learning in my career. Um, but I never thought I'd get the job. But then I got the job and then I started in Berkeley. So that was in 2014. So you've only been here five years. Is that right? Yeah. But it feels like forever. It does. I feel like you've been here way longer than that. And then when you... I, I who oh I talked to Meredith Julius about this question. So when you were in college or in postgraduate work, did you always want to be a school social worker, or did you have other social work interests, or how did you land in a school? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was in college, I did a whole lot of like really interesting teaching experiences. So I was part of this, I went to U of M, I was part of this organization called Palma, um, where we worked with migrant farm workers on literacy skills, and we would sort of like help them fill out paperwork, and we worked on reading skills, and I was terrible at it because I just wanted to talk. So we just like talked a lot, and I learned a lot about people's stories, and that was really incredible. Um, and then I did some other like little teaching things in Detroit and in Ipsy, um, and then I met a woman named Lynn Malinoff who works in the School of Ed uh, at Eastern, but also maybe at U of M. I can't remember her connection. She did this like mock interview thing in the residential college, which is what I, the program I did at U of M. Um, and she hired me after that mock interview at her like, um, it's called Bright Futures. It's like a tutoring program in Wayne Wesleyan schools. Oh, okay, um, and so I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but then I took a bunch of like school of ed classes as an undergrad. And I just, I was like, yeah, this is, I'm not sure this is for me. And then I was a camp director for a bunch of years at this really little, um, like wilderness leadership program. That's a part of Tamarack camps. Mm-hmm. And so I had all this youth development stuff going on. Um, and I figured, like once I graduated grad school, I took all the classes for school social work um, and just like felt really compelled to work with youth and felt like working with youth in a school environment was going to be my best shot to sort of marry my two interests of education and learning and then also the social work component. That's so so interesting. It does feel like you're very well placed because I've seen you like work your magic on people and yeah, like it would be, it's odd to me to think of you in a different setting other than where you are. So it does feel like all of your skills are able to shine in the in the high school setting. Have you, do you have a preference of like age or have you? Huh. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So I've worked with like the whole age span um, and I way prefer teenagers. Like the majority of my experience has been with high school age students between my camp experience. And then I was in a couple of different high schools in Wayne Westland, including a career tech school and an alternative school. And then here in Berkeley, I worked at Tamarack main camp as a social worker for many years as well. So with like younger, like elementary age and middle age, middle school age children. And I just way prefer high schoolers. I think they are coming into this world of awareness that is so fascinating and it's such a gift to be able to be a part of their experience of sort of like coming into themselves and starting to understand their place in the world um it's just like it's really humbling and really cool when they can start to verbalize their own experience of that and i feel like once they hit high school is when they can really start doing that yeah for sure i i mean i'm an english and I just love watching them be able to articulate their, like figuring out what their own thoughts even are, which is a lot of work. And then, excuse me, being able to, being able to express them. Yeah. You do seem really well suited for your job. Have you thought that before? Have you thought like, Hey, um, I think I'm in the right spot. Yeah. So I've actually, I've like almost left school social work three times. The most recent one was like about two years ago. Um, where I got another job offer and I didn't take it. I like got to sort of put my toes in the water at that other place and found that it wasn't the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And I just keep coming back to the fact that like, this is really where I belong. Um, 
you know, being, being a school social worker, there are, I have to be careful what I say because I realize yeah. all my colleagues are listening to this. Right, like, right. like I get the shit sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like, Remember you had Keep going. Was that? Going. No, I was just saying you had a really hard year. Was it last year? Now the, all, all so the years run a, together. I had a really hard couple of years. So in 2016, uh, I had, was that 2016 or 2017? It was 2016. I had a miscarriage at like 11 weeks. And then yeah. Dom Geske passed away. And he was a student oh, yeah. who I was really close to. And I was close with his family. Um, and there was a lot of like emotional stuff in that relationship with that family. So between my own personal challenges and then also um, with that family, like that was really hard. And then last, not last year, the year after that, I had another miscarriage at like 10 weeks. And so like, it's really hard to be a human and have my own stuff going on when I'm spending all of my day caring for the needs and advocating for the needs of other people um and it and it also yeah. gives me but it, it also gives me so much joy so it's it's right. this like weird masochistic drive <laughs> that i have to like keep going even when things for me are really hard um and i'm getting better at stepping back and recognizing when i need help and when i need to slow down uh but it's but it's a journey it's hard I know you guys get like beat up a lot. I guess that's my way of thinking about it. And I, it, and it's also funny to me because you got your team, your people uh, like are so positive and supportive of kids where I know I've had this conversation with you. We don't have to recap the details where I've been like, I'm so mad at that kid. Like, why did he say that? Like, that's not fair. And you were like, yeah, I felt the exact same way as you. I just didn't show that. And I was like, whoa, that's yeah. serious uh, work right there. And I mean, I didn't show it either, but it's like, you guys are, I don't know. Do, did you find it difficult? All, do you find it difficult also, especially like with two miscarriages, which is so much emotional weight that you're really not in the, you can't talk to people about it. You know, like, so like do you also feel like you have to stay so positive and supportive. Do you find yourself being like wanting to, I don't know, not have an outburst, but I don't know. You guys do a really good job of always acting like you just love everybody. And you do love everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know what's funny? I can only think of less than a handful of kids and teachers who I, like, don't like. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I really do like people. Yeah. And all of their amazing things and all of their flaws. And I think... Like, like, how do I, I don't even know how to say this. I just think people are beautiful and fascinating and I want to know them. Um, I want to know them. So that's a driving factor. But I also like do have outbursts. Like you've seen me in the staff lounge upstairs. I've been in tears. <laughs> that's right. Presence. That's like, right. I forgot about that. I just, I just, I can just like go quietly have my moment and then get yeah. back to it. Yeah, and it's yeah, a yeah. lot of work and it takes a toll on, on other parts of my life. But I'm, like I said, I'm like getting better at self-care, which I know is like such an annoying buzzword, but right. I really am trying hard to get better at, being kind to myself and I have supervisors from the past that continue to be mentors of mine and I have people that I reach out to for, for professional support. I have people in our building that lift me up and hold me 
Um, and I couldn't do what I do without feeling like I am supported and cared for as a human in our building. Yeah. Which amen. is another reason why I can't leave, you know? <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, I can't imagine doing what you do and then not getting the support that you need because like you said, it's so, you know, it, it takes, it's, it, it feels taxing. Like you guys are amazing. There's never any sense that you're being taxed, but what you are doing on a daily basis is a lot. And for me, like to watch, to watch you guys is unbelievable. And I think, I think like, you saying that humans are imperfect is such a good thing for me to hear. Cause I think as a general ed teacher too often, we're like, okay, so here's the rubric and everyone's eyeing the like perfect column mm -hmm. and in your world, you're like, nobody's perfect here. This is, this is so great. Let's all celebrate our imperfections. And yeah. uh, we could probably take a note uh, from your playbook. I think yeah. just kind of dumb our standards. Um, okay. So tell me about what you were like, what kind of reader were you as a kid? Like what reading memories do you have? So I have always been and continue to be a really avid reader. I love reading and I always have. Like I have a lot of memories. Like my family my is, is funny in the sense that like I don't have a whole lot of memories of my parents reading to me, but I have a ton of memories of like us all sitting around together reading our own books. Um, like everyone in my family really loves to read. Um, and so... I, as I was preparing for this interview, I was kind of going back over my list and like, I read a ton of like, kind of fantasy, apocalyptic, like dystopian stuff. Um, and I read a ton of things about like kids, like when I was really young, I would read a ton about kids in the wild surviving on their own without a grown up. Um, so like, the boxcar children stood out yeah. in my mind. Where the red fern grows, um, Hatchet, like, what are some other ones? I had a hard time coming up with all the names because there's so many. And it's funny, I was, Dan Inman talked about like the list of books he re he keeps. I was like, I do that too. Mine's digital, but I have a list. So I had to go back, but it doesn't go all the way back to when I was a kid. So I really love things about like wilderness survival and living off the land. Um, I read a ton, I grew up in Northern Michigan in this like very idyllic little bubble of Petoskey area. Um, and my house was in the woods. And so I spent a lot of time like building forts and looking for salamanders. And so things that spoke to me had to do with kids doing those things, but like for life, for living. Um, so your childhood books were like a, a, an exaggerated version of what you were already They were like what I wanted to do. Yeah, where I wanted to be. And then as I got older, I read a lot of, like I said, I was in the residential college at U of M, which is this like very crunchy social <laughs> justice arts. Like you come out of that place with a totally useless degree. And I apologize to my professors for saying that, but it's true. Like arts and the ideas, arts and ideas in the humanities. Like what but is? Wait, that? hold on. Do you feel like? But did you like it? Don't you think that's necessary? Oh, or I you... loved it. It oh, was okay, unbelievable. It. it was unbelievable. I could not have gotten through college if I didn't have like a healthy amount of just like thinking, and talking and processing. And so, like in college, I read a lot of, like you know, educational philosophy. Um, I also still really liked like the dystopian stuff. 
I skipped over high school. I realized I, one thing I wanted to share with you is I ended up reaching out to my high school English teacher because I, his name is Mr. Young and he still teaches at Petoskey High School and he is amazing. Um, and I had this memory of like reading books with him in his classroom without anyone else there. I was like, that is weird. That can't be what really happened. But I emailed him and he said he created this book club for kids who are avid readers and wanted to read more. And um, I guess I was one of the only, like only a few that ever showed up. So we would read books together and actually like one of the books that I was going to talk about from my book that changed my life, Sarah's talked about, uh, <gasps> Leon Uris, no. Exodus. And I was like, what? Like nobody talks about him. And he, and actually the book that stood out to me was Mila 18, which is about the Jewish, uh, like resistance fighters in the Warsaw ghetto during World War II. Um, but I read this book in high school with Mr. Young and I remember we just like talked about books and that was so powerful. And I think the, the, the reading that I remember is reading that I shared with other people that I could talk to them about. Um, or maybe it was, it was stuff that it was experiences that I shared. So thinking back when I was a kid, that stuff out in the wilderness, like that was me and my siblings like romping in the woods and those stories stand out because not only did I love the stories, but I also did it with people. So I think as introverted as I feel sometimes, like my connection to people is also what really drives my love of reading and what I read. There is so much in my brain right now about what you're saying. Okay, so first of all, it's so funny to me that you were like, wait, was I really alone in a room with a teacher? Like that could not have been right. Like what is <laughs> What a That's 2020 talking. Yeah. <laughs> but I also want to say, like, how cool that he that he as a teacher opened up this club. From what you remember, you were the only person who took him up on it. But it, yeah. it, like, it like was a lasting memory. Like it just makes me think, and I've thought this so many times with things that I do. Like if I do something and only one person shows up like that's not actually a failure at all. And no, it means so much to that one person. I know and you're the one person. Like I, I love know. that I love that you're sharing that and like what a great that's just really cool that he did that. Okay, and then the book that you and Sarah or the author that you and Sarah share, when did you find that book? So that was, that was, that was not the book that I want my, my book right. that changed my life, but we could talk right. about it because I have a list okay. of literally 25. Um, what, I read what, it when really? I was, you're in high school. That's like, seems like a really mature book to read in high school. I read so much, so much. I also was really interested in high school in my Jewish heritage. Um, growing it. up in Kapaski, I was, there were like two Jewish kids in my class, like my graduating class. Compared to down here, there's like right. thousands of them. Um, so that, so I think I was really interested in exploring all of that. Um, and my mom converted to Judaism when she married my dad. She grew up Irish Catholic. So like Jewish learning was always a really big part of our world at home because we were it. Like there were not enough Jewish people to like just be passively Jewish in Petoskey. Um, Wow. So you were, you were like a mature kid as a teenager. That's what I'm, that's so. what I'm saying. I think that's so. I, mean. I had a, I had a lot of fun. Like I had, I did my fair dose of like crazy stupid shit. Okay. So like when teenagers are like, you don't know Mrs. Levinson. I'm like, oh, I do, honey. I okay. really do. I made plenty of bad choices, but yeah, I also like read pretty mature books and talked about mature things and was really interested in social justice and, um, 
you know, the, the, the war in Iraq started in my senior year of high school. So like, that was a big thing. I was reading a lot of news and yeah, I think I maybe was a little bit of, ahead of some of my peers. And then how appropriate that you go to U of M and you find the crunchiest of the crunchies and yeah. then your brain just like explodes. Yeah, I was pretty happy in college. It was a great time. I think that's so great that you admit, not admit, I shouldn't say that, but like, you're like, yeah, this is totally useless, but you also loved it at the same time. For sure. And that's why, and that's why I think everyone is drawn to that program and sticks in that program. Cause it's just like, in what other context in life am I going to get four years to just like massage my brain? That is a gift. I, I agree. And I think about oftentimes, like, why do I have to take, because a lot of times you're like, I took all these ed classes and they're not even like helping me with classroom management. And it's like, you got to think about something at its root for like a really long time before yeah. you go out into the real world. And I think, I think college is definitely valuable in that way. Okay. Absolutely. So tell me about the book that changed your life. So Natalie, this was a very hard question for me to answer. Very, very hard. I thought long and hard and I have a list like I said of like 25 so you're gonna laugh you have a list of 25 I mean yeah <laughs> I'm not gonna read them all to you but but I what I was having a hard time was is, is like I feel like there are all these phases of my life that have yeah. a different book that changed me for a different reason like if you asked me in the last year what book changed my life it's this book called I'm Just Happy to Be Here by Janelle Hanchett, who is a blogger who writes this blog called Renegade Mothering that is just like the most honest and real and raw perspective on motherhood that I have ever come across in the written language. And I just love her. So I loved that book. But then like the book that I was going to talk about was um, some people don't realize this, but you know the play Wicked? Yes, I do. It was a book before it was a play. That came, I don't think I knew that. Right? A lot of people don't realize this. And the book came out, I don't know when the book came out, but I probably read it in like the seventh grade. And it's about, if you don't know the play, it's about Elphaba, who is the Wicked Witch of the West. And it's her story rather than from the perspective of Glinda the Good Witch and all of the other characters. And it's it's all about Elphaba being this like very misunderstood person because she has green skin and she has a lot of passion and a lot of like, she's loud, she's an advocate for these talking animals in Oz. Um, and she teams up with Glinda the Good Witch to try and change the system, to change like the government to support and, and honor and give humanity and human rights to these talking animals. And I shouldn't say human rights, to give equal rights to these talking animals. So I think it's interesting thinking back, like I loved it because it was a fantasy story. It's a story right. that you know you love, it's the Wizard of Oz. Um, but it's also like really rooted in the story of, civil rights and advocacy and then this like one person story of overcoming a lot of odds to try really hard to change the system and it's sort of this perfect marriage of the way that systems and individuals interact and engender change which is sort of what I've been fascinated by in my social work career yeah this is um a lot of things are 
like your personality is coming out in this book, but you read it in the seventh grade. Like, I think it was the seventh grade. I could be wrong. It was somewhere between the seventh and the ninth. I definitely read it in middle school. Okay, I have a lot of questions. Who were you between the seventh and the ninth grade? I don't know, Natalie. I was so lost. I like had these friends. I'm gonna get really real for a second. I'm like a little I love, bit. I can hear you thinking and I just want to know more. <laughs> Keep going. So I was a really good kid growing up. Like I followed the rules, I played the game, I like got good grades, I was in the band. I was a really good musician and I took private lessons and I loved that. Um, but in middle school, I sort of like didn't like that about myself for some reason. And I started becoming friends with these people who just like didn't, I don't think they liked me that much, but I really wanted to be a part of their crowd. And so I was like in this weird flow flux between being who I really was and ended up coming back to later in life, but then also like pushing the boundaries. Um, so, so like, I kind of not, I don't know if I want to say I ditched my old friends cause we still like stayed friends, but I didn't hang out with them nearly as much. I certainly didn't hang out with them as much at school, which I'm really ashamed of. Um, and then like through high school, I was really kind of miserable because I was friends with these people who I didn't find that much joy in. And I don't think they understood or liked me that much, but like, we had a really good time. We partied, we skied, we like, you know, did a lot of high school stuff. Um, when I was at chat, like, you know, challenge day that some yes. schools do, I think we yes. used to do it at Berkeley. So I did challenge day as a participant in high school. And someone was like, Katie, you're like a white Porsche with black leather interior. You're like perfect on the outside, but you've got an edge. And I was oh. like, that's interesting and creepy and maybe a little true, but I don't know if I'm as edgy as other people right. thought I was in that way. I don't know. Don't so you think it's interesting life. that the, like, to me, and again, I've never read Wicked and I've never seen the show, but people, you know, my students say it was the most amazing thing they've ever seen in their lives. But don't you, I don't know, I feel like middle school is an, is an identity crisis for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And it clearly was an identity crisis for you. Mm -hmm. And I can totally see that, you know, like you're drawn to the fantasy of it. But it, isn't it so weird that even in the midst of your total identity tumult you're like you know the story of yourself already yeah and that's like the story of my life natalie i feel like i like experiment with all of these versions of myself and always come back to like the person i'm pretty happy with and the person i should have just like kept being all along um and i don't think there's anything extreme that i've done or been but you know like you just you just like play around with your interests you play Play around with who, who you feel good around. I feel like now I finally like feel really solid in who I am and in what I want and who I want to be. Um, maybe by nature of having like played around with all those versions of myself growing up.
Yeah, I just think it's so funny. It's not funny. Like, it's so cool. And I, I, I think a lot of people feel the same way about themselves. Like, they, deep down, they, like, know when they're going off course. And, you know, it doesn't mean that that's bad to go off course. Like, so many of those things are super healthy um, in their own way. But I just think it's so neat that, like, little Katie – what's your maiden name? Is your maiden name Levinson? No, it's Willens. Little Katie Willens knew all along, <laughs> like, what her little path was. Yeah. Well, and I think that's another reason why I love working with teenagers is because I think when we as adults are able to look at them, I think we see those glimpses yes. of who they're going to be, yes. but sometimes they can't see it. So you want to try so hard to like lay the found, lay the path for them to walk on. That's going to lead them to the place that they're going to end up. And hopefully that being the place of like this good, honest, true person that they show you. Um, but then you have to remember that they're teenagers and their job is to play around and push you away and push the boundaries and try it out for themselves and fall down. And we have to let them do that. Like we can't, we can't like put padding on the path because that makes it that much harder to figure out who you are. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Which is a really controversial thing as a yeah. social worker to say. Yeah, but I mean, what you're saying is so, first of all, I feel that way about my students all the time. Like, I know mm -hmm. these people are going to, I know who they're all going to be in five years, and they're all going to be amazing. And you you want to just keep saying to them, like, it's all good. We all love you. It's okay, you know? Yes. Um, yes. But then I was going to also add, like, when my child is 16 and you find me in the women's lounge, like, crying to myself, you can be <laughs> like, okay, I gave you that speech one time. I'm going to give you the speech again. <laughs> what a hard reality to digest for any parent or even teacher or social worker that like, this is just the way it has to be. Yeah. No, that terrifies me about raising kids is like right now they're just so innocent and perfect and, and themselves. And like, they're going to lose that for a minute. Yeah. For like a decade. For a long time. Oh, yeah. I, and we I, just have to be there ready to receive them when they're ready to like be the right person for them, you know? I know it's funny because I'll often talk about Kai who's 12 and I'll be like, he does this, this, and this, and it drives me crazy. And then like another person on staff with like an 18 year old kid will be like, yeah, that, that doesn't go away. I don't really know what you're hoping, for. <laughs> but you're right. Like it, it, it just lasts a long time. And, and uh, it, it's, it's just cool to me that you have found your place back to the beginning of our conversation and, and that that place was like so predetermined in you so long ago. What are, just out of curiosity, what are some other books that were on your list or that you really loved? Yeah. Okay. So another recent one is The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. It's I oh, I, okay. I know, I know, I know Ta-Nehisi Coates, but can you tell us about The Water Dancer? I didn't read it. So it's his first novel and it's a story about, um, it's, I don't know if I want to say what it's really about. People okay, should that's just okay. go read it. Because there's like... What his vibe is maybe? Yeah. So it's very... It takes it takes place in sort of an undescript time, but during the time of slavery okay. in Virginia. Um, and it's about a slave. And it's about his experience with the underground and freeing people. Um, you found it too powerful, I'm assuming. What's that? You found it to be a powerful read. I found it to be really powerful and also included some of the 
literary things that I love, like a little bit of magical realism, oh, um, which yes. got a lot of criticism, actually, if you read the reviews, like that piece got a lot of criticism, but I think it was a really amazing literary device. So don't want to give away too much because I think it's, it's really worth a read. Um, another book was looking at my list the handmaid's tale oh love the handmaid's tale when did you read that did you read that so i read it when i was 19. it was my first summer as a camp counselor at this will at this other wilderness outpost that's connected to the one that i was then the director of so i'm like in the middle of the woods with these kids no electricity no running water taking these long backcountry trips and like really loving being this like female role model in relationship with these teenagers who are also trying to figure out themselves and who they are in the middle of the woods with no distractions from school or peers or sports or technology. That was before they had access to social media, but still there's plenty of distractions. So that one was super powerful from like a feminist perspective. I also feel like 19, I mean, for, for me, I didn't read it till, I didn't read it until like three years ago. And I can't imagine my 19 year old self reading it because I just had not thought about a lot of things at that point in my life, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, no, it does. Well, and I think like I read it again when the show came out yeah. and I got a lot more from it the second time around than I did the first time. And I also thought the show was an incredible extension of the story. Yeah, it certainly got a lot of attention, which I I think that's the objective, at least, yeah. in, you know, so. But I thought it was well done. Yeah. Give me a couple more, Levinson. Okay. Um, so hard. So I have a children's book in front of me called yes. How to Be a Lion by Ed Veer. I don't know this one. And it's about Leonard the lion who befriends Marianne the duck. And all the fierce lions say there's only one way to be a lion. You have to be fierce. Um, But he says, but I don't want to be fierce. And let's and then he like he's a poet he writes poetry and he ends his poem he finally like speaks to these lions and says why don't you just be you and i'll be me and we should all just be happy being who we are again metaphor for your life exactly all of these are it's so funny it's so funny it is it is funny because it's funny, like doing this podcast on the surface, I feel like for some people, it looks like a podcast about books, which it is, but it's just a way to get to know people. Because if I ask you what your favorite book is, like, I'm going to get to know you. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like it makes me really excited for our next like staff gathering because at a bar when we, cause we're going to sit and talk and it's not going to be like the surface level stuff that so often is just easy to fall into at those kind of things. I'm going to have listened to this podcast. Like after I listened to a couple today to catch up and I called people afterwards and I was like, you said this thing, like, can we talk about this? Like, it just makes me want to talk to people so much more. That makes me so happy. And and I feel the exact same way, which is like, I talked to Sarah's and I was like, uh, we need about three more hours. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I feel after these conversations because I'm getting to know people in a way that I just haven't before, even if I've worked with them for 15 years. Right. Well, because when can you stop and take the time to when, really focus on when. these conversations, which I feel like you've said a million times too. Yes. Um, okay. Give me a couple more and then and then I'm sure we both have. Oh, okay. Um, time. Let's see. So I'm trying to get like a little smattering. So <laughs> A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. 
Oh, that is so interesting. This really is showing us your autobiography. Yeah, it's like not a good book. It's <laughs> it's entertaining, but it's written by like a middle-aged white guy who goes out totally unprepared for a hike. But yeah. it was I read it when I was working as this camp director and it was like a very particular time in my life where I loved the idea of like people putting themselves outside of their comfort zones and doing things like taking a crazy long hike when they didn't think they could. Um, yeah. I love that you're that every book of the year, and this is something that I have thought about and I feel like you are saying, putting words to again, which is the book speaks to a time in your life, if not a very particular transition in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Um, Half of a Yellow Sun. Oh, I don't know this one. By, oh my gosh, I'm going to slaughter her name. She's Nigerian. She wrote Americana. I'm blanking oh, on her yeah, name. Yeah, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How um, is it? What do you think about it? It's good. I only started it like a few days ago. And it's interesting. I'm finding it took me a while to Get, so another reason I think the the Ta-Nehisi Coates book stuck with me was because it was the first novel I finished after having my son. Oh, interesting. So he's 19 months now. And it just takes me a really long time to read books now. I used to tear through them in like a week or two. And now it just, I just can't get through them quickly. So it's really good so far. But I'm only like 40 pages in. She has a book that, this is a long story, but she's obviously, she's very popular right now and. She's a great like non-Western perspective yes. for students. And I, you know, I, I did you read Purple Hibiscus? That was one that an English teacher just recommended to me. From no, her. I haven't read that. Oh, well, she, she's, um, she's, I think she, you know, I, hopefully she sticks around for a long time and we continue to read her works. That's, uh, that's yeah. what, how I feel about her. She's incredible. Yeah, she is. I'm also really engrossed in the latest issue of The Atlantic. There are just some like scary articles in there right now but i can't stop reading them it's like looking at a train wreck i can't stop watching yeah there yeah i mean i've read more atlantic stuff in the last i don't know month and a half than i think i've read my entire life mm -hmm. they're really going toward it which obviously i appreciate yeah yeah in small doses yeah <laughs> yes thank yeah. you thank you for that right. reminder social worker that was really important for <laughs> you me have to hear. step away you have to step away <laughs> Okay, well, I, I've had you on the phone a long time, and I do want to wrap things up just because I know your quiet time is really valuable and very scarce. But I just so appreciate having you and listening to you and your honesty and all of this good stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. And then, of course, like we said, next time we hang out, we need a lot more time to continue yes. this. And also that mom book. I went here. We got a lot more mom topics to cover. Oh, I have like four yeah. mom books that I could share with you, but that's for a different podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie Levinson. Have an awesome night. Thank you, Natalie. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.